But I will trust the Holy Spirit to use the time I'm given and I have no permission to keep you longer than pastor can keep you <laughs> because I'm a man with authority under authority. But I would love to first of all share with you how we met my adopted father, Henry David. Yes, since 2008, him and his wife adopted me. One morning I was on a prayer walk and she invited me into their house. Her mama was sick and she, you come and pray for my mom. It's amazing how that can happen in this country when somebody like you will call somebody like me into their house for the first time. But anyway, they did. And well, the miracle happened of connectivity. Since then, we have been very, very together as a family. And the roof you saw on the orange building, they bought it. They donated $10,000, gave it to this young man in 2000 whatever without like go by faith. So I had not any profit here. They gave it, they, I mean, it is amazing how God made these two people trust me and believe in me to reach out to those poor communities and be a blessing. So this is what normally happens is when I come for missionaries, I pray. And after praying, I request somebody to drive me around and I go knocking on church doors. But because my local church is called Bethel Freedom Tabernacle, when we drove past this uh, church for the first time, I told him we should go there. When I saw the word freedom, because to me freedom means a lot. From John chapter 8, verse 31, 32, 33, when you know the truth, you will be set free. So one morning he drives me here and we find this amazing pastor. I, I really believe Pastor Greg is an amazing man. He's a spiritual man and I'm so proud of him. Actually, I requested him that when I'm in this country, he gives me oversight. So whoever asks whether, they, whether I'm known by anybody, I normally tell them you can call a pastor somewhere who I take to be my pastor. He will not tell you that because he always calls me Pastor Daniel. He thinks I'm a brother to him and all that. But to me, he's a pastor to me. Okay, so I'm under his authority. I love him and his wife. And that's very, very important to me. And so thank you for accepting me. And I know that this relationship is taking us somewhere to the glory of God. I want to thank God for Sister Holly for her involvement recently that enabled us to get four, we call them proclaimers, four gadgets that have three languages on them of the Bible, Swahili, Luganda, and English. They already delivered it to me, so I thank you for your contribution to that organization. They have given me four of them, four small ones actually, and uh, one big one, so those are five. And this is um, a gadget you can switch on and 100 people here the Bible being read to them, which is very helpful to churches in the village. Like at that project, we put up a church. So one of those gadgets is going to this church that you've just seen at the hill. That little building at the hill is a church. So we plant churches. I had a mission that plants churches in Uganda, and I work with the other organizations to do the work of ministry. 
So I want to say something that because of the help of your pastor, and some of you probably he talked to too, we were able to register a non-profit in this country. So we have a non-profit, we are legitimate, and so anybody wanting to donate to that is free to do it. And actually the first check, I guess, came from this church. Praise the Lord. So you guys, you're part of us in many ways that you can even imagine. And I'm so grateful to God for this church, for the leadership. But to say a few things about that project, what do we need? Child sponsorship for education, which can be monthly, $30. Then we have construction for more classrooms, as you have heard from that young lady. We need to provide clean water. We need to have you visit Uganda to share with us your skills. And I come back in April next year, I intend to go back with a team in May. I go back in May, so if you can believe God, get ready, and we go together to Uganda. You know, when people see what they are part of, it is more motivating. You could see that video, you could see me and still be like, mm -mm. what is that really? Come and feel it. Come and be with those kids. Come and spend time with us. And we need volunteers in the area of teaching, building, medical, and any other way. And if you want to come and preach in our villages, you're most welcome as well. My invitation to Pastor Greg and his wife is still firm, and it will not, it will not change. And I believe before they go to heaven, they must come to Uganda. And they're not going to come once or twice. They're going to come so many times. They are still strong enough. The Lord will renew your strength. In Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. So I'm looking towards that time, and I can't wait to have all of you visit us. Amen. And so when I was praying, the Lord gave me a word for us. And you know, I've been a preacher since... I was 22, I'm now 51, so as long as that, I've been a preacher. And I've been a senior pastor of a church since December 1995. I look young and I thank God for that, but I'm quite an old man, I'm 51, so blessed be the name of the Lord. The young lady you saw is our firstborn, Zipola Kutesa. She did mass communication, she passed with a honors degree about two years ago. Then our second born is Hannah, and our last born is Gideon, who is at university doing computer science. So the girls are graduated. We serve God together in the church, and they're such amazing children. My dear wife, for the last 26 years, is another miracle that happened to me 26 years ago. She's an amazing minister. She's a worshiper. She's an intercessor. She's a teacher by profession. When I leave Uganda with Juliet left back, I know I'm left there. So when I'm not around, she's around. When you see her, you see me. When you see me, you see her. Praise the Lord. And people keep asking me, why don't you come with your wife? First of all, it is expensive. Number two, we believe in each other so much that what we've set up by the grace of God, one of us should stay and watch over. So that's the way it is, but uh, she's been here before. She's been to this country, and she felt as well she can't do 19 hours flight because I have to do 15 hours from D.C. to Doha, then which is Qatar, and then from Qatar, five hours to Uganda. I'm not saying this to threaten you. You should come. 
Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. You need to come and be a blessing to the people of Uganda, and I can't wait for that to happen. So please be praying about it. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, if you can use any person, you can use me. I submit to your Holy Spirit. Let a deposit be made into our lives. Speak to our hearts tonight. Have your way and let your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. I love the New King James Version, Pastor. And so we are in Matthew chapter number 6 from verses 25. And actually, God has allowed me by his spirit to talk about worry. Worry, W-O-R-R-Y. Worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. If you hear it for the first, like I've said it, it may not dawn on you strong, but if you keep thinking about it, and you begin remembering how many times you worried, and you begin asking yourself a question, are you worried now? And at times we worry over nothing, and at times we worry over real stuff, but God did not say over real stuff you can worry. God has said, do not worry. Amen. Amen. Do not worry because if you worry, you cannot believe. And if you believe, you cannot worry. Amen. Amen. And I believe that believing is a condition of somebody's heart. When you believe, you know, because faith is a substance. You cannot ask somebody, do you think I believe? Because I know when you believe, you know. And therefore, when you worry, you know. And I know when I'm worried. I know when I'm believing. It doesn't matter what is around me and who is around me. If I believe, I believe. If I'm worried, I'm worried. And just like faith, worry is a condition of the heart. And each of the two has consequences. If you worry, there are consequences. If you believe, there are consequences. Praise the Lord. And you cannot do the two at the same time. You cannot say, I'm worried, but I believe. You know, at times we sound religious and we don't realize it. I've heard people make statements that actually don't make sense spiritually. Somebody says, I believe, but I'm worried over this. Then if you believed, you couldn't be worried because the two can't coexist. In my country, cats kill rats. So you cannot put the two in one box. So to me, worry and faith are like a cat and a rat. You can't put them in the same box. You can't have in the same heart worry and faith. Amen. One will chase the other. You either believe or you worry. Amen. Therefore, Jesus says this. He says, therefore, I said to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, not about your body, what you'll put on. Now, listen, this does not sound like a request. Jesus is not requesting us to not worry. He's commanding us. And he says, do not worry. Because he knows what he can use our faith with. If we believe, there is a lot God is going to do. And if we worry, there is a lot the Lord cannot do. 
And in this, he's talking about and he's talking to believers. Now, when you study your Bible, especially the Gospels, you should be careful about when Jesus is speaking to us, the believers, and when he's speaking to the unconverted people. That's very important. So here, Jesus is talking to the body. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers like you. Do not worry. And he mentions the things we commonly worry about. He says, number one, your life. Your life. Have you ever been there and you started wondering whether you're sick? Whether you're going to run bankrupt? Whether your marriage will stand or not? Have you ever initiated moments of worry? Just because of what you saw on TV, that, because of what you heard on radio, because of what you hear from wherever you hear it from, and you begin worrying. You begin worrying. And the first thing we get worried about is our lives. And then number two, eat food. Food. We get worried about food. It doesn't matter how much we have it in our homes. The devil can initiate that moment of worry. And at times, like I said, we are worrying about nothing. And at times, we are worrying about some stuff. And you could reason and say, genuinely, I should worry. But there is nothing like that in the kingdom of God. There is nothing like an ordained moment to worry. God will never permit you to worry. Just because they tested you and found cancer or diabetes or whatever they dis discovered in your body system, that is not a permission to worry. Just because they chased you out of work, that's not permission to worry. Just because three people left church and now you're here, you're worried whether you should go or you should stay, it, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you just because your husband is so hungry with you, so you get worried. You don't, you don't have to worry. You have to trust God. You have to trust God. Don't even worry about your body. What you put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Pastor, I like this because God is saying the way to deal with the worry, you must mind what is more important. Even when you don't have food, even when you don't have what to put on, you have no permission to worry because life, which God has given you, is more important than clothing, than food, than what to drink, than a job. And God is saying, if I can give you life, what can't I give you? You know, when I was here, by the time I left Uganda, I was paying for my vehicle. So the debts went bad and they impounded it. They wanted to take it. And I told the guy who is selling it to me, you can take it because I'm still alive. I'll get a vehicle anyhow. So I'm alive. I'm not going to get sick over nothing. Because it is the things that we worry about that at times inflict sickness on our bodies. That we get so concerned. There is a lot the devil can do with your worry. And there is a lot God can do with your faith. And God is saying, if you want me to use you, you shouldn't worry. You should believe. And the devil is saying, if you want me to use you, begin worrying. I'm going to use you. 
I'm going to use you against your marriage. I'm going to use you against your life. I'm going to use you against your church. I'm going to use you against anything. Because the devil uses us against and God uses us for. That's the difference. The devil is always against. God is for. The devil says hate them. God says love them. The devil says don't give them. God says give them. The devil says forgive. I mean, don't forgive. God says forgive. So the devil is always against. And God is always for. Praise the name of the Lord. So God says look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than the birds? Are we not of more value? If birds cannot worry, why should we worry? We are such a worried church. Not this church, but the global church. The church you and me are part of. We are so worried. And this affects our worship. It affects our giving. It affects our relationships. It affects how far and how much we can go for God. Because we are worried. We are so, so worried. One time, a pastor friend of mine asked me about 15 years ago, I was in this country, he has six vehicles, and he asked me, he nearly had no vehicle. So he was like, Daniel, how should I pray? I told him, don't pray. Sell one of your vehicles. Give me the money. I go back to Africa and buy a vehicle. Because you have six. The man was so concerned. He looked at me. He was angry with me. I said, you asked me. <laughs> I didn't tell you to ask me. You have your six vehicles. I have no vehicle. And I'm not concerned. I didn't ask for a vehicle from you. But you asked. Do you have a vehicle? I said, no. You know, wh what should we do? How should I pray? Because at times we think we should keep praying and praying and praying and praying. Jesus says when you have two shirts and you say naked one, what, what do you do? You pray, you get one shirt, keep one, give away one. You have two dresses, somebody's naked. You have food, somebody's hungry. Do you pray, you give them food. But because we are so worried about tomorrow, when somebody is going hungry, you have two meals, but you're worried about tomorrow. Which is totally amazing. Look at how much is around us that we can't see because of worry. You know, worry consumes everything you have. And you begin thinking you're empty, you have nothing. Worry can kill you faster than cancer. And the problem with worry, it can attract everything the devil wants to bring into your life. And God doesn't say you go to college and learn about how to stand against worry. He says just look at the birds of the air. Just look at the birds of the air. They don't go to gardens. They don't do nothing. They don't shop. You shop for them. You grow stuff for them. The birds you are feeding are not worried. But we who are feeding them are worried. The dogs we are feeding are not worried. But we who are feeding them, we are worried. Look at the peace the animals have. And they don't know God. 
Though he commands them to do a lot of things, they worship him. Amen. But we know God. We are created in the image of God. We are created in the likeness of God. We should be able to exhibit the capacity of God, the ability of God. People should see us and see God. People should hear us and hear God. People should watch us and be watching God. At our places of work, when everybody is falling apart, we are so solid that people can ask us, why are you so confident? What are you trusting? And you're like, I'm not worried because I have a living God. Jesus lives on my inside. Amen. I've walked in two places and I'm smiling and people thank me for smiling. Because I choose not to be sad. You know, everything about a believing believer can be so attractive. Even your smile. Your smile can present healing to somebody. Amen. But at times the only place we are excited is church. Most of us, when we get out of here, we shut down like computers. And nobody can believe you're a believer. Nobody can believe you know God. At your place of work, you're sad. You are disappointed and frustrated because of what is going on, politically or whatever. But listen, Jesus has passed on a command. Do not worry. Amen. Worry should be absent in our lives. And when you're beginning to worry, talk to God. Ask God, take it away. Strengthen me in my faith. Allow me to focus on you. Allow me to look at you. I went into a church uh, with my parents, and the pastor could not allow me to greet people. He later told my, 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 my father that the reason he did that, he doesn't know me so well, so he's protecting the people. And I'm like, you mean if anyone of you walks into my church and I allow you to greet people, is that, is that an issue? But people are so worried that you need to even protect people from somebody so far, from so far away from greeting them. To just say, praise the Lord, brethren, I love you and I see it. You need to protect people from that. You're so worried. You're so worried, and, uh, and I can't believe it. You know, when you watch worry play its games, you would be shocked. You, because when somebody's worried, you see them panic, you see them say stuff, you see them because they are worried. Worry does not come alone. It comes with a package. Just like a faith comes with a package of gladness, joy, confidence, love. Trust. Even worry comes with the opposite package. Anxiety. <laughs> Anxiety. Self-protection. You, you, you want to protect yourself. Doubt. Anger. Confusion. Worry comes with a lot. And as I mentioned that lot, you can check your life. You know, the best person to examine you is you. Yeah. At times we have issues in us and we are like, oh, but there is no prophet talking to me. Be your own prophet. You know what is happening. And when you have a problem as a believer, you can speak against it. You don't wait for Pastor Greg. You take authority in the name of Jesus. And you say, worry, I speak against you. Debt, I speak against you. Confusion, I speak against you. Take your stand as a believer. 
Take your stand. This weak church we have today in our generation can rise up again. But one of the giants that is weakening us is worry. We are so worried. We are so, so, so worried that we converse so much about what is going on. We have no time to worship. We have no time to study the word of God. We want to be in church shortly, and we want to be in restaurants for six hours, talking about things that bother us, things that bring us worry. We have a lot of time to walk our dogs. We have no time to study the Bible in our homes. Somebody will walk a dog for one hour, but you have to sit down in your house with your wife and study the word and pray together. One time somebody told me, you challenge us so much, we thought you came from Africa to tell us about your needs. Well, first of all, I came to preach. I came to teach the word of God. And then we can work together in other things, but if you told me, Shut up about one of the two. I would shut up about the project and preach the gospel. Because I don't know when you're going to heaven. I don't know when I'm going to heaven. But one thing I know any time is a departure time. And how do you know you're not standing right when you're worried about death? Anybody here that is worried about your departure, it is because you're not standing right. If you're standing right any time, it's home time. <laughs> Amen. If I die now here, I'll go to heaven because I know I've examined my life. I've talked to God. I've asked God for forgiveness for things I may not even know that God perfect me, keep me right under the blood. And if God wants me to go to heaven from this pulpit, I'll just see heaven open and I'm off. Will I miss my wife? No. And I'll tell you why. Because there is no marriage in heaven. Yeah, some of you think, oh, he's rude. I'm not rude. There is no marriage in heaven. Read Mark chapter 12. There's no marriage in heaven. So people say, oh, I'm, I'm going to miss my wife. You miss your wife when you go to Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. But if you're going to heaven, everything he has cut off. You've gone home. And if your wife doesn't work hard to come home, she will go somewhere else. Some of you think we are going to get to heaven and then you begin looking for your spouse. Where, where is my sweetheart? In heaven, we are angels worshiping God. We are just worshipers of the living God, no marriage. He's the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob, not the God of couples. Couples here. In heaven, no couples. Love your spouse to death because it ends here. If you are doing it reservedly, thinking, oh, I'll love her again in heaven. No. In heaven, there is no marriage. In heaven, we are going to be a family in the presence of our Father, worshiping him day and night, glorifying his name. And that is the hope that we should bring to the world. But we cannot do it when we are so worried. And as I go to the end of it, Man, I wish I had time. But, but okay, L let's go to verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, but seek after, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Praise the Lord. You know, the main difference between the ungodly and the godly is worry and faith. Period. We believe, they don't believe. Because they don't believe, they worry. What is faith to us is worry to them. So if you're a child of God and you're a captive of worry, you need to ask God for freedom as soon as possible. Because God wants to use you to get those worried people into his kingdom. And you cannot be afflicted and deliver the afflicted. <laughs> you can't. So God is expecting you and me to be free of worry so that he can use us to get the worried people from the world and bring them into his kingdom. And he says, how do you protect yourself continuously from worry? This is what you do. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and whatever you're worried about shall be added to you. And I believe in prosperity. But I also believe God knows how much prosperity you can handle, how much prosperity I can handle, how much prosperity Pastor Greg can handle. If you give Pastor Greg what I have, he may fail. If you give me what he has, I may fail. So God knows us as his children, how much can we handle in terms of prosperity. But he didn't say we seek after prosperity. He says we seek after his kingdom, which kingdom guarantees prosperity. So that when we are seeking the kingdom of God and righteousness, which is upright standing, then all shall be added unto us. But what are we doing? We are seeking what should be added. And we are not seeking what we must seek. That's why worry is too much. Amen. If you want to live a life void, a life that has no worry in it, you're going to seek first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. Why does he say his righteousness? As a Bible teacher, I find out also that there is a kind of righteousness that's not the righteousness of God. But there is the righteousness of God. The righteousness that is after the word of God. I've met many people say they are righteous, but if you look at what they are doing, the Bible does not support what they are doing. So the kind of righteousness is his righteousness. His righteousness. It doesn't judge other people. His righteousness portrays the fear of God. His righteousness portrays the love of God. His righteousness shares. His righteousness loves everybody. His righteousness is not denominational. The righteousness of God is not denominational. 
If I was God, the first thing I would strike immediately is denominations. So that the people of God can connect and serve God in the end times. We are so divided in the name of denominations. And God should deliver us. And people keep asking me, which denomination are you? They want to put me in a box. I'm non-denominational. I love every believer. I love everybody washed by the blood of Jesus. You are my brother. You are my sister. We are going to the same heaven. I can't afford being caught up in a box that will confuse me and divide us. I love spiritual people. Amen. Your pastor didn't ask me what I'm going to preach about. He said, you're going to preach on ninth, pray. And that's what I did. And there's some kind of sermons you can't preach in some churches. But it is in the Bible. You're preaching it from the Bible, but they can't take it. Which is very sad. It is. I'm sure it is. So ideally, as I close, remember, he says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness Pastor, he doesn't tell us what to seek next. He doesn't say after the kingdom and righteousness, you seek this or that. So after seeking, what do we seek again? His kingdom and his righteousness. What do we seek again? His kingdom and his righteousness. What do we seek after? His kingdom and his righteousness. What do we seek again? His kingdom and his righteousness. What do we seek after then? His kingdom and his righteousness. We don't seek anything else. That's how we protect ourselves from all the confusion of this earth. And we stand strong and we be sure that when departure time comes, we can make it into glory. Praise the name of the Lord. Please stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet and let's, let, let, let's just... Talk to God briefly before I give the microphone back to our pastor. Amen. Amen. Everybody talk to God from your heart. You heard the word, talk to God. You heard the word, speak to the Father. You heard the word, talk to your God. He's our daddy, he's our father. He knows us so well. Father, we repent where we worried. We repent where we feared. We repent where we doubted, oh God. We pray, oh God Almighty, that you make our hearts pregnant of faith. You make our hearts pregnant of faith. You make us strong. You make us strong. In the name of Jesus, we drop everything that has worried us. We drop sickness. We, we drop anger. We drop confusion. We drop religion. Everything that has brought worry into our hearts, we drop it. We pray, oh God, you have your way. We pray, oh God, you be glorified in our lives and you use us for your glory. If anybody come here sick, we declare healing. If anybody come here confused, we declare direction. We declare wisdom. In the name of Jesus, we declare favor. We declare strength, bodily and spiritually. Let the power of God come upon your life and give you energy to walk again, to walk again, to walk again. God is saying, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. 
don't worry i'm on your side if god be on our side who can be against us if god be on our side who can be against us he who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world no weapon formed against us shall prosper in the name of jesus father we give you praise 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 in jesus name hallelujah hallelujah god bless you i love you with the love of jesus christ and there is nothing you can do about it god bless you praise the lord Amen. That was wonderful.